I was scared of what you were going to say, David. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It kind of edged on it, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it did. Yeah, I got a lot. People are, people are Googling scooter poop right now. <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hey. Hey. You know what? What? I see more and more step couples choosing to live separately after living together was so hard. So you want to try that? No. (laughs) Told you if I leave, I ain't coming back. You promise? I promise. (laughs) No doubt. I can 100% guarantee it. You'll be back. You'll be back a million times because it'll take you that much to get your junk out of my house. <laughs> my house? You like that, didn't you? Oh, that's a whole nother. <laughs> that was actually on the, was it the last episode? The my house thing? Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, to your point, um, I can kind of understand why people do it because they feel like they're kind of releasing the pressure and getting away from all the problems, but that that's the problem is they're running from the problems instead of solving them. And so the kids are going to be there at some point, even if they're 30 years old and they've moved out on their own, there's still the stepkids are going to be there and they're going to be involved in some way. Yeah, but they won't be there as much. Well, no, they won't be there as much, but still you've not, you've not created any relationship with them at all. Right. I agree. So let's just say that if you and I would have decided to live in separate homes mm-hmm. and you... You can live upstairs. David. <laughs> and you had your kids every other week at that time. Mm-hmm. So I guess basically what we would have done is we just... I wouldn't have seen you during that week, more than likely. Uh, yeah, been like it was when we were dating. Right. We would have the added stress of going back to supporting two households. Mm-hmm. And what else? Well, I think if you look at it long term, when you don't have that relationship that you've built with the kids, what are you going to do when the grandkids start coming around? Right. Matter of fact, are the grandkids going to be allowed to come around? They're like, them grandkids, they can't come around that woman. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's so crazy. My my daddy had to make her move out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they couldn't even live in the same house. I don't know why he didn't divorce her. Yeah. And she can't live there with me. She sure ain't going to be there with my my kids. Yep. It's um definitely a different way to try to, well, I was going to say solve your problems, but you're not solving your problem. I'm just, if I put myself in, in the kid's shoes and I feel like I haven't created any kind of positive relationship with the person that my dad married, I would be, I would not be very, um, I wouldn't be going out of my way to really try to come back and have a relationship after I've moved out. And I'm certainly not going to bring my kids and and drop them off or something like that. I might come to visit, but even that, maybe not. It just depends on how bad that relationship was before. If it's bad enough for her to move out, I'm probably not coming back around anymore at all. I'm probably like, Dad, if you want to see the kids, you'll have to come over here and see them. Yeah, or I'll come to your house when she's not there. Yeah. So I don't. I just don't yep. see it helping when when that happens. I don't. I don't. I, I understand it and I get it. And it may even work for some people because nothing's, I don't think nothing doesn't work for everybody. There's always somebody it's going to work for. <laughs> well, I would like to find somebody that chose to do this, 
and move back in after the stepkids moved out and find out how things are going after that. Yeah. But I think that the living separately is so new mm-hmm. or not a lot of people that have probably done that. Right. To where we wouldn't be able to have a lot of input on that. No. But even if you do find somebody, you can't, you can't make a blanket judgment call based on yeah, one but person. I'm just curious. Yeah. So if that's you, if that's you, <laughs> if you are a step person that you and your significant other lived together, couldn't work out, the blend was crazy, separated, living in different houses, still continue to be married or date or have a relationship, then move back in together when the stepkids moved out. How's that going for you? Oh, we can talk to my ex. <gasps> oh, she moved in and out several times. Yeah, but she ain't a step person. Oh, she know. is a step person, but she don't qualify. <laughs> That'd be funny. You interviewing my ex? <laughs> Talk <Yeah>. about strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be strange. But if you seriously, if we've got a listener that has been that um, person or is that person, contact us at Lori at nachokids.com and just put in the subject, I was that person. <laughs> I was that person. And I'll get back to you and we'll schedule for you to be a guest. Yeah. Because I really would like to find somebody. And I mean, don't don't tell me you moved back in last week. I need to know how things have gone more long term, like two, three years after moving in. And well, they ain't, back together, in. they ain't together anymore at that point. <laughs> there you go. That's how it worked out for you. <laughs> well, if nobody responds, then that's what we're going to assume. Yeah. Because yeah, we're just speculating as we're talking, you know, how did this, how does that play out? Mm-hmm. You know, how does it work? I mean, I think short term it probably works fine. I just think it has long term implications. Right. I, I don't know. I guess the way I look at it is it's no different than when you were dating. So why even be married? Because you don't get any tax benefits. Well, there's a lot of benefits to dating versus being married. Not tax benefits. Well, no, not tax benefits. What do you? What? How? What, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? There's a lot of benefits to dating instead of being married. I can't go down that path. I was saying, why stay married? Well, don't. I'm so confused. <laughs> Yo, I don't know what happens. <laughs> it's like my brain zaps and I don't understand. Uh, that's funny. All right, so who do you have for us today? Okay. The lady that we're talking to today is someone that's been blending for 25 years. <laughs> She's a pro. So she was married for 15 years and had two bio kids. Then they split up, and she married this dude that had three kids, so that gave her three stepkids. Mm-hmm. Here's the kicker. You ready? Mm-hmm. All the kids got along. Like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, they were. That's exactly what they were. Hmm. I wonder if Alice sure. was there. <laughs> that would have made it a lot easier, wouldn't it? It may not make our life easier if we You know, that's why the blended family worked, y'all. It was they Alice. They had a maid and a cook. Alice was the glue. Alice was the glue that changed the Brady Bunch from being a blended disaster to being blended bliss. There you go. We figured it out. So we're going to create the Alice Project. The Alice Project, <laughs> where you hire a maid or a nanny, somebody that cooks and cleans and helps. There's got to be a living. Got to be a living maid. Well, she could live in there. It's got to the whole night. Well, can we do that here? No. Can I pick the maid? No. Can I pick the uniform? See, look at you. You can't even stay on topic. Uh, 
but the, her life was not without challenges. <laughs> Some of the kids experienced drugs, suicide attempts, and incarceration. Mm, goodness. So life's never really easy for mm. anybody, but that's what we should do. We're going to start our Alice project. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, that'd be great. I'm going to have to go back and watch the Brady Bunch. Because now that I think about it, I don't think those parents ever made those kids do homework. I think Alice did that. <laughs> Maybe so. They nachoed their own kids. That's how you nacho. You get Alice. You put Alice becomes the. The bad person. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. But didn't they love Alice? Of course they did. Because that's the only person she, that did anything with them. Because <laughs> she fed them. Yeah. They yeah. Don't, don't bite the hands that feed you. Well, I don't know. Stepkids do that. Sometimes. That is true. And so do dogs. My dogs are more loyal than stepkids. <laughs> okay. So let's get to listening. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. We'll listen to it after a word from our sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Celia Kibler, founder of Pumped Up Parenting and founder of Fun Fit Family Fitness. Hi, Celia. Hi, Lori. How are you? Doing well, doing well. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So you are part of a blended family yourself, correct? I am. Yes, I am. So um, I uh, was married for 15 years to my first husband, who is the father of my two children. And I remarried. And in my remarriage, I gained three wonderful children. And we have now, we're now going on our 24th year of marriage. Our children range from 30 to 37. And we now have seven wonderful grandchildren. So how old were your stepkids when you started blending? Uh, we blended the youngest. So my five children go almost, and I could have given birth to all of them. So the youngest, my youngest stepson was four. My son was five. Then my next stepson was eight. The next one was 10. And my daughter was 11. Four boys and a girl? Four boys and a girl. My daughter's the leader of the pack. So you feel my pain. <laughs> I do. I do. Four boys. I know it's, it's a, it's a gallon of milk nightmare, gallons of milk nightmare where they would be there on the weekends. They would go through some milk. That's like my biggest memory. Three grand gallons of milk a weekend. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. Isn't it, David? Oh yeah. We went through a gallon a day. Yeah. Yes, it's crazy. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. And bread. Like, you need to just get a cow. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Bread, uh, through what, probably three loaves of bread a week. Eggs. I would buy like 36 eggs a week. Oh, yeah. Easily. When all five of them were there. It was like, you know, garbage disposal, just a constant eating frenzy. So how was your blend? Did you have struggles or was everything just great? Well, I, of course, like to say everything was great, but yes, obviously there were many struggles. We were very blessed though. I will say from the moment we got those five children together, and a lot had to do with them being young, 
they instantly loved each other. They hit it off. All five of them got along. Honestly, I don't know what we would have done had not had they not gotten along. Um, of course, Nacho Kids wasn't around then, I assume. And um, but we were very fortunate that they all got along really well. But we absolutely had our struggles. We had kids on drugs. We had attempted suicide. We had um, incarceration. We had other, you know, the other mother that was slightly crazy. That's not nice, but you know, and <laughs> and you know, and with my ex, although for the most part we got along, it took a while before I could talk to him without crying. And as long as I didn't talk about money, we were great. Mm -hmm. So yes, we definitely had our challenges and. And then just my, my husband of now and I just going, you know, getting to know each other, getting to deal with a whole blended family. We had a lot of medical issues almost right from the start. So um, there was heart failure. My husband went through a lot of heart failure, a lot of heart failure. So <laughs> we went into heart failure twice. And this is very soon after we got married. It's had respiratory failure. There's a lot of medical things. I had a very bad car accident a year into our marriage. There, there was just a lot of stuff going on in our lives. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we made it work. <laughs> yes, obviously. Wow. That's a lot. So, but it gave me endless experience and entertainment value. <laughs> I always feel like kids are <laughs> huge entertainment. You know? Yes, I know. <laughs> get high, highly entertained by them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, with David's kids, they would sing songs in the car. Um, more recently, before they kind of went their own way, they would do like the roasting sessions in the car and pick on each other. So I would get in on those and we would just have a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are fun. I, I think parents need to find more of the fun in their kids you know, really, really find the fun because it's a lot of it there and we get distracted and we tend not to focus on it. That's true. Now, let me ask you, when you, since your kids, stepkids were so young, did you come in and just start parenting them like a motherly role or did you just step back and let your husband take care of things? Um, well, I am like the ultimate mom. And so, yes, I stayed the ultimate mom with my stepkids. My husband is not a huge, or he wasn't always a huge hands-on dad. He kind of had to learn to be that way. I had to train him. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, it was more like, wait, the kids are here. But you know what? That grass really needs to be mowed. And, you know, we need to go out and worship the yard. I'm like, oh, no, no. You need to come back in here and be with your children. They're here for the weekend. The grass will grow again and it can be mowed again. And, um, but, you know, and they had a very hands-off mother who would just, they were kind of like free range children, you know, and I use that term for a child who basically runs their own life mm -hmm. and that's how their mother was. And I'm a very hands-on mother and I was home. I've always worked from home. Um, and I've always been home when the kids left for school and they come back from school and in our home, they understood that as long as they were with me, if they went to visit friends, I needed to know where they were. This was before there were cell phones. 
So I need to know where they were going, whose house they were at, what was the phone number, who were the parents, do I know who that was, you know, all of that. They were not just allowed to roam the neighborhood like they were used to at home. And that caused its own, you know, issues because I wouldn't let them do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I caused some tension. And then um, my, el- my middle, no, wrong, my oldest stepson came to live with us in eighth grade. He'd already had um, kind of gone into drugs and his mother basically kicked him out. So he came to live with us. His mother didn't talk to him for two years. He called me mom. And, you know, in my house was always the house with the open door for friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted everybody gathering in my home. And so we would all sit around and joke and, and play and, you know, have, you know, have fun. And I'd always be there to see what the kids were up to and doing. And, um, sadly, his mom didn't talk to him for two years, you know, and he went through a lot of drug struggles and he's the one that wound up eventually trying to commit suicide, wound up in jail for a couple of years after he went back to live with his mother at 21. And, um, but now he's doing great. The good news is he's doing amazing. Yeah. So it's hard. It is very hard. And, um, it's, you know, and when kids, I feel like it's hard for kids when they don't feel like they belong anywhere, you know, I, especially once they become teenagers and that's why they wind up joining gangs and, you know, getting in trouble and stuff like that, because they wind up hanging out with their friends, good or bad, because they all want to be with their friends. But if they don't feel like they belong at home, they'll find somewhere to belong. And it may not be the best place to belong, but if somebody makes them feel wanted, they'll be wanted. That's true. That's And that's very important. I know we see it a lot in the Facebook groups where women will say, this is my house and these are my rules and, you know, whatever. And that bothers me because where's your significant other or your husband? Is it not their house too? Is it right. not the kid's house? Even if it's only every other weekend, they have to feel like that's their home. They don't need to feel Absolutely. like they're on visitation or... Um, or guests. Yeah, it's just, it's sad. Yeah, it is. And, you know, my ex used to do that with my kids. And her his wife used to say something like, you know, you're in the guest room. Like my kids, all five of them always had their rooms. You know, they were not guests in our house. This was their house. Right. As my- it was Lauren and Kyle's house because they lived there. This was their house too. They just didn't live there all the time, you know, and they were allowed to, you know, speak up and, and talk. And we would have family meetings about what's going on and stuff with everybody together. Husband, me, my husband, the kids, you know, when they came, when they first met each other, we talked about it all together what was going on. And we did not, we were, like I said, we were fortunate that they liked each other. We did not expect them to like each other and we did not throw them on each other, like enforce them. These are now your siblings. You must like them. You know, none of that. You know, we gave them a chance to just really do what they wanted to do. Um, the first weekend they were together, there were no rules. There was no one, we're, we're going to do this. We kind of let them just kind of feel you know, feel around, get, get kind of an idea for each other, kind of get to know each other. And it just turned out that they did like each other and they liked hanging around, but the, no one was forced on anyone. And we had no expectations that they had to like each other. 
I mean, even siblings that are born to each other don't necessarily always like each other, you know, and they're a blood, you know, so we never, you know, we always did things out of family. Yes, we did have certain rules in our house, but you know, we were also willing to compromise. And, you know, if someone said, oh, I'd like to do this, we were listening. We were always willing to hear what their idea was. And if it was a good idea, go with it, you know? And it didn't matter who, who it was. It didn't matter if it was my child or Rock's child. You know, it was, if they had a good idea, we were game. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was allowed to be heard. We tried the family meetings um, a couple of times, didn't we, David? Yeah. It didn't go very well. It turned into... Um, a complaint festival. Yeah, it was kind of a more of a gripe session. And, and we would try to deter it from being that, but it just always turned into that. No, that was yeah. pre-Nacho too. Yeah. And we didn't really then- force the kids to treat my son as a sibling. There was five years age difference between David's youngest, the triplets, and my son. And it's funny because he bonded with each one kind of differently and at different times, and he would just kind of shift through them. <laughs> and, our, and they're triplets wow mm-hmm. yeah definitely wow and they um it's funny though because since they've left he still has conversations with them and still talks to them which i'm very thankful for because he was so young when we got married he does not refer to them as his stepbrothers he calls them my brothers and they do refer to him as his their stepbrother but he seems to be okay with that i think it um maybe bothers me more that he feels exclu- might feel excluded from things than you know, he feels that way. Like on Step Siblings, or Step Siblings Day, on Siblings Day, one of the stepkids took a picture of, a family picture of all the kids and cut my son out of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you cut my baby out. And he's like, I'll recognize him on Step Siblings Day. I'm like, there's not one. <laughs> <laughs> I had a situation just like that. My, um, my husband got remarried. Um, right a month after we got divorced, my husband, my first husband had a diving accident and um there was alcohol which kind of led to our divorce um and he dove off into a swimming pool and broke his neck when he hit the water and so a month after our divorce he became a quadriplegic Hmm. and he did marry his girlfriend and um so that first year after he became a quadriplegic was very hard for my daughter mostly, because my son was still little, he was still five, but Lauren had a really hard time with school that year. And then in addition, you know, she met these new siblings, but I think that gave her a little strength having, you know, these extra people to talk to that were her age. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was another stressor in the family. And, uh, but the, the kids somehow, you know, they, they worked out that they, you know, that they were able to just, I mean, they just really liked each other and um, it was all great, but my kids also have two stepsisters from my ex's marriage, from his wife. Nobody has, nobody's marriage has kids between them. Okay. All the marriages are from the separate marriages. And one time they all got together, my, my daughter and son went to my ex-sister-in-law's house and they were taking family pictures and they took a picture of everyone and then they took a picture and told my kids to sit on the side while they took a picture of my ex his wife and his two girls and I'm like why is that even being taken why is that even what why 
This is not like his new family and that's his old family. This is still his family. And when he got married, he told, he was living in Missouri and we were in Maryland. He told the girl, he told my kids that none of the kids were going to the marriage at the wedding. And then when they got married, her two girls were there and my kids were here in Maryland. And that was like another issue. And, you know, it was just right off the bat. It was instantly like non-inclusive of my kids. And then, of course, they were considered guests in the home that we lived in in Missouri before I moved back to Maryland. Yeah. So in our own home, they were like considered guests. It was very, very bizarre, very bizarre. But luckily, it has since worked itself out. <laughs> yeah, when we do, um, I think we started off doing family pictures where we would do the group, all of us, and then we would do a picture with each of the kids by themselves then David with each of his kids, and then David with all of his kids, and me with my son. So that way, it wasn't noticeable that there was such a separation, but I still had a picture of me and my kid, and he had pictures of his sons and him. And that makes sense. Yeah, I I actually wrote a blog about this recently, um, about taking family pictures, and it's funny because I broke down, you know, take a picture with all the bio kids together, all the step kids together, with the bios and the steps, and with the bios <laughs> and the parents, and I mean, it ended up being this huge list. But that like a way, wedding. Yeah, yeah, but that way you cover everything. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, he used to send um, gifts to his mother, and he would sign them. Um, him, his wife, and his two stepdaughters. And he would leave my kids off. And he'd go, well, that's close. I know you're buying a gift for her. I'm like, I don't have to buy a gift for her. She's not my mother. She's your mother. I buy a gift for my mother. You buy a gift for your mother. And when you do that, you include all your children. These are your children. They go on the gift. Yeah, and, and because I was in Maryland and his mother was in Maryland and he was in Missouri. I, I guess that was the rationale. I don't really know what the rationale, but I, but the one thing I'll tell, I'll tell you, and I'll tell, you know, and, and your listeners should hear is you need to speak up. Like as soon as that happened, I, I called him and I was like, oh no, 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 this is not how it works. And if you feel badly, like I wanted to talk to him about something and I didn't feel comfortable talking to him, I wrote him a letter and I wrote a letter all about it. And I, and I mailed it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got the point, but you know, and I don't know whether it was more him just like doing what his wife wanted to do or what. But I was like, "Look, these are your kids, and they get included in everything." I know you live half a country away from them, but that doesn't mean they're not included in your life. They're totally included in your life. And talk about visitation! I had to put those two kids on an airplane from Maryland to Missouri by themselves every time. And my youngest was five years old. So that was kind of nerve wracking in itself. To say the least. Yeah. That was kind of a horrible time when I had to do that, but I had to bite the bullet and do it and pray. You know, that's one thing that we learn to do as parents (laughs) and letting our kids go to the other parent's house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, he, you know, what broke us up a lot was the drinking. So I also, even though, Kyle was five and Lauren was 11. I I took him right to a counselor when we broke up and we, we, you know, talked a lot. And one of the things we had to address was if you feel unsafe with your dad, if he's drinking and he gets in the car and you feel unsafe, you have the right to say, I'm not getting in that car with you. Mm -hmm. 
because that was a big worry of mine because I don't drink. I've never drank. And so I've always been like the designated driver for all my friends, my husband, everybody, all the drunks of the world. I was the designated <laughs> driver. And, you know, I had, so when that ended, that safety that I always knew was my responsibility, or I always felt like it was, was gone. And I had to trust that these two kids would be okay, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's a big thing. Yeah. Well, I, I see this sometimes where the situation kind of similar to yours, where your husband got remarried, and then it's almost like his focus is now on his quote, quote, new family more than the other kids. And I don't understand that. However, I must say, um, David, you know somebody that was in your ex-family that when they got remarried, the woman's like, you have to disown the rest of your previous family. No Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Right. Am I right? I think so. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) I'm trying to remember which one. I mean, half of them's been Remarried. The one, the one that the son ended up committing suicide in the graveyard. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I know you're talking about now. Yes, it, that's that's what happened. They got uh, he got remarried, and and the wife he remarried basically said, you know, nobody else is your family. You know, this this daughter we have together is the only kid you have, and you will not have anything to do with your other kids. And he didn't. And he didn't. Yep. And then um, now I've, I've just heard the story secondhand, but apparently the child from the first marriage was in a cemetery and threatening to kill himself. And the cops called this man and he basically just hung up. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. No. I don't get it. I Let me tell you, I live for my kids, all of them. Yeah. And they know, they know if any of them need me and I don't care what time of night it is. You call me and I'll be there. I know that with these two, my grandkids that are here, there was a time that they had to come live with me for two years and they called me, I guess it was midnight. They live two hours away from me and they're like, can you pick up the kids? And I'm like, absolutely. And I jumped in the car and off I went. I, and then no questions asked. I mean, and they know that. They all know that. And I don't care that they're in their late thirties. I don't care. They could be 50. If I'm still alive, I'll go get them. Right. You know, and um, I just, I don't understand that. I will never understand that because that is so detrimental to a child. I mean, I just know when my eldest went through the two years of his mom not talking to him, that was a huge, that was huge damage to him. Huge. You know, even he had me, I'm not his mom. His mom's his mom. She should call him. What did he do? So horrible. He took drugs. Half the world takes drugs. She probably takes drugs. You know, you desert your children over that. I, I, I will never understand that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Another thing I don't understand is um, people who do not feel like they are a parent when it's not uh, their custody time. So it's with the kids or, or with their mom, it's her week. Then I'm not a parent during that week. You know, it's, it's her responsibility. They're with her. I don't have to do anything. Or the other way around. I, and we hear that a lot where, you know, the, the mom is, you know, living in the same town, but stepmom has to go run the kids all over the place and do all this other stuff. The mom won't step up and do anything because it's not her week. (laughs) And I'm like, since when did you get to choose what week you're going to be a parent? (laughs) Right. And we're talking about where the stepmom and the bio dad and the bio mom live less than five minutes away. 
Isn't that ridiculous? I, I don't get it. I'm telling you, I would drive an hour to go see my kid for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And if, and, and some people get, um, don't agree with this, but if my ex were to call me and say, uh, can you keep the kids? Because, you know, whatever, it didn't really matter the reason. Then I kept them. It, it was an understood uh, thing between Lori and I that if you have an opportunity to keep your kids, then go get them. Right. They're your kids. Right. And some people just will not do that. They're like, look, this is not my weekend. We have plans or whatever. But, you know, she and I have always been uh, of, of agreement on that. If we have an opportunity to get kids, I don't care what the ex-wife's doing. I don't care if she tells me, can you come get the kids so I can go out and, and scooter poop all weekend? Whatever it is, I don't care. I'll go get them. I'll keep them. Right. I was scared of what you were going to say, David. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It kind of edged on it, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it did. Yeah, I got a lot. People are... People are Googling scooter poop right now. (laughs) I'm like, okay, here it comes. And I don't know that we ever discussed Mm -hmm. it. It was like a given. Right. It was expected. Yeah. Because they're your kids. Yeah. I I know. The only thing I ever tried to do, and a lot of that was because we live five states away from each other. So when I... I always miss my kids. That's a, that's a given. Mm-hmm. But when they would be with my ex, I tried not to call. You know, I, they were allowed to call me anytime they wanted. But I tried to give him his time with the kids, unless I needed to talk to them or something. And it wasn't that he minded if I called. You know, and the kids were always allowed to call me. It was just, well, you know, this is their time. I'll, I'll you know, let them. You know, but they were always allowed to call me. And if I needed something, I would call without hesitation. Um, but that was the only thing I tried to respect his time with the kids, but it didn't mean that I wasn't a parent. And half the time that they were there, we had the other three boys. So it wasn't really like, oh, we have a vacation, you know, where we have no kids. We got to go away from We never, ever had no kids. I, I don't think, I don't think we ever have no kids. Now I just have grandkids all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, mean, I love kids. I love to be, I'd much rather be surrounded by kids than surrounded by grownups. I mean, I even have times when the kids were going nuts over at, you know, their mom's house and she would call me and say, you know, can you talk to them? I can't do anything with them. And I know a lot of people will probably say, well, that's your problem. You know, they're with you. You need to figure it out. But, you know, I just never did that. You know, I, I just don't turn the parenting thing on and off. I'm their, I'm their parent all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what gets a lot of, families into trouble is is that the ego becomes primary mm-hmm. you know instead of like let's do what's best for our children let's try to make their lives as good as we can make it in a difficult situation they're more concerned about their egos and well you know i can't stand the woman anymore so if you're gonna be with her you're gonna be with her and i don't want to hear about it and blah 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 and you know and then they get into the whole horrible thing that never well didn't ever occur but where they start calling the other parent names Mm -hmm. like the worst thing you can do to a child is criticize or start name calling their other parent this is their parent you're Mm -hmm. not criticizing some random stranger you're criticizing their mother or their father and kids love their mother or father regardless people who are axe murderers but have children they love them Mm -hmm. They don't, may, may not know they're axe murderers or they may not know why they're an axe murderer, but they still love that person. Mm-hmm. You 
know, and so when you criticize or you label or you call names or you try to get your child to like you over the other one, it will, uh, it will ultimately backfire because they'll. I read something the other day. Um, it may have actually been something you said. I don't know where, when you criticize the other parent, you're criticizing half of your kid. Right. And I don't know that I had really thought of it that way, but it's true because they are part of that person. And I always say like, you know, you know, somebody recently asked me, I was at a, um, a, uh, mastermind thing in Florida and, um, someone there had asked me, so what is the key to your 24 years of marriage? And I said, honestly, respect and trust. That's it. I respect the person I'm married to. I have two marriages and I, even through divorce, I have never been called a bad name or a cuss word by either of my husbands. And I have never returned that to either of my husbands, even going through divorce. And, and I think when people also slam their ex or their, their partner on like social media, you're slamming you. You fell in love with that person. You love that person. At some point in time, you cared very deeply for that person. And if you're, you're on social media doing this, your children, unless they're toddlers, are reading this stuff. You slamming whoever, their parent. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just, it's, it's coming right back to you. It's, it's a big indication of what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you have to have respect. I don't care who, you know, I'm no longer married to my ex, but I have the ultimate respect for him. I never, I mean, we see each other, we get together for our various, like his kids, when his stepgirls got married, my husband and I were invited to the wedding. We hug each other. We kiss when we see each other, just like old friends, you know, and, and I know that's not everybody, but a lot has to do with we respect each other and we always have, even when we went through, you know, the time of divorce and, you know, that whole thing. Well, you are definitely um, rare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. In that situation. Um, I wish more people would. I've, I've kind of, you're making me feel kind of bad that I don't respect my son's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of it too is the situation. Yes. You know, because when, some people, they are divorced because of infidelity. Some, sometimes it's abuse. Sometimes it's just, you know, like in your situation, it was just a, you know, he had uh, tendencies that you couldn't deal with. And right. so there's not a lot of, and I'm, I'm not speaking from experience, but I would think there's not the same amount of damage that's happened. And so you don't have quite the resentment. You just have a thing where like, look, I'm just not going to put up with this and we, we're going to split ways. Exactly. There's not the ugliness. Right. I mean, if you're an abusive, physically abusive or mentally abusive situation, there's ugliness there. Yep. And you can't possibly respect somebody who has had no respect for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I do believe respect is earned both yep. ways. And I mean, I would like to think that if I had grown apart from my ex or, um, you know, there was some other unreconcilable differences that the feelings would be very different than, than because it ended over infidelity. Her- her scooting Putin. Her scooter Putin. So, you know, it, it, it also is an individual thing. Some people just can't handle it because they take everything so personally. Right. 
Um, and you know, you can't just put the past behind you and move forward. You, you always have to try to find a way to, you know, to get the person back for putting you through something. And yeah. that's, that's a big, you know, when, when I talk to parents about things you need to teach your children, one of the thing, big things in life to teach yourself and teach your children is to not take it personally. Like mm -hmm. if you can teach your children and know in your own heart not to take things personally, because usually, not even usually, always, it's not about you. If somebody insults you, it's their problem. It's mm -hmm. not about you. Yes, it hurts your feelings, but you have to realize that that is their problem. You know, it's not anything to do with you except they feel like they have to control you or they have to empower themselves by diminishing you, you know, whatever that is. And it's a hard thing. I, I do that when I coach parents with toddlers. And the, and the parent will go, oh, he's always trying to make me mad. He throws a tantrum to make me mad. He does this to make me mad. No, he's not doing any of it to make you mad. He doesn't have the brain function to know, oh, well, if I do this, it's going to make my mother mad. No, he doesn't know these two. Wake up. He just has part of a brain. It's not even developed. It's not about you. And, and really, that is one of the most important things you could learn in life is that it's not about you. You know, mm -hmm. don't take it personally. Yeah. If you can figure out how to not take it personally, you get through a lot more things in life. And that's the hardest thing in divorce is because it's so personal. Well, that's, I mean, that rings true in so many other areas of life as well, because even if you're doing like a customer service type job, you know, you have a, a customer calls you up and they complaining and they're fussing and cussing and just going to town on you. A lot of times it's not that they're mad at you. They're mad at the situation or they had a bad morning and you just happen to be the person they take it out on. And oftentimes, if you just understand, they're not mad at me, something else is going on and just leave it alone. A lot of times these people will come back to you and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I overreacted. I've had a bad day. My car broke down this morning or my, you know, I had a death in the family. There's all kind of reasons behind it. And then you go, now I understand why. And if I had really blown up at this person and gave them back what they were giving me, then you know, nobody would have won. Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. And and it's, it's, it's not anything that's easy to do, mm -mm. but no. if you can learn to do it and you can look at things that way and look at a reality, like you say, that maybe they've just had the worst day of their life. Maybe, you know, something drastic happened and it's more of a reaction from what's going on with them than anything about you, you know, and maybe you can just smile back and be kind and make their day, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, in step families, we see it oftentimes where the uh, kids are, you know, they're being kind of hateful to the step parent, but usually it's because they just don't know how to deal with what's going on. They're not personally mad at that step parent. They just, the step parent just happens to be the one that ends up getting the target put it on their back. And sometimes the step parent does that to themselves and they don't realize it, but you know, if you don't have, especially with kids, they don't have those coping skills. They don't have those skills to, to problem solve and figure out what do I do with how I feel? They just lash out at people. Right. Right. They don't have, you know, people have to realize too. And you know, it, the human brain doesn't fully develop till you're 23 to 25 years old. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of developing, you know, and what they don't have, like you say, what's not built in is the coping skills. 
and the self-regulation. What's built in is all the emotion. That's that's there. That is like there 100%. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's what they have to learn. And, you know, and when they're put in a difficult situation, like their parents are splitting up, that's a hard situation. And when I'm coaching a lot of families, a lot of times I find too that parents want, like, they want to get involved with what the other parents are doing. Like the other parents are not, you know, they're not parenting the way I think they should be parenting. And I always say, you know what, guys, these people are none of your business or your ex-wife. You can't control that. You need to focus on helping your children deal with whatever life they're going to be living in your house and their house. You can't control what happens in their house. You're, you're not married to that person anymore. You know, that's not your business. What you have to focus on is helping your child deal with what's going on in both of these households and, you know, give them the, the empowerment, the strength, the, you know, fortitude to stand up when they need to stand up or do what they need to do to take care of themselves if it's a very bad negative situation. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm dealing with a family, you know, recently that had had that, you know, his ex-wife was one of these people that just like didn't have any will to do anything and expected her children to do everything for her, mm-hmm. you know? And so they were like, you know, grocery shopping and making meals and doing lo- like there was nothing she was doing, you know, except making them feel badly for their choices. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you know, I literally had to say, you have no control over this person. Right. You can't tell them what to do because they're not going to listen to you. Why? You're their ex. And they have to want to better themselves. You can't just will them to be better. That's how they are. So you focusing on trying to do that is a waste of your time. Focus on your children. I remember when David and I, when we first got married, we had his kids like 11 out of 14 days. And about two years in, his ex changed her work schedule to where she wanted to get the kids 50-50. And she decided that it would be a good idea to sit down with David and myself and her and her boyfriend at the time, I guess he was, I'm not sure what he was at that time, and discuss what we did with the kids. And David and I are like, oh, this is good. (laughs) You know, this is really good. She's wanting to keep the consistency between the two homes and blah, 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 blah. Well, so we talked to her. It was very awkward, to be honest. I did not really like that situation, but I went and she said, okay, so, you know, kind of what time's their bedtime? And if David said nine, she was like, oh, okay. And then he's like, well, you know, if they make a D on a paper, they have no electronics for a week or whatever the rules were then. Do you know that Scooter Putin mama, (laughs) (laughs) she turned around and- For short. (laughs) Yeah. She made it where bedtime was like 1030, where if they made a D, there was no punishment. Everything we said, she had to up it to make herself look better. I'm not surprised, but like you said, we have no control over that. And yeah, David got frustrated a lot of times because of her um, inability or desire to not parent. But you have to let go of that. You can't focus on that because then it takes away what you need to be focused on while the kids are with you. Right. And as long as you are the best parent that you can be, hopefully that will override the bad that's happening at the other house. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. You have to focus on, you know, and you have to let, you know, once kids become old enough and they become aware of, well, this is like the party house and this is like the strict house, you know, you have to kind of, um, you know, empower really that's such a, it's a word that a lot of people don't like, but it's true. You have to empower them to take responsibility for themselves. If they go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, they have to wake up for school at 630 in the morning and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wake up. Go to bed earlier. Take responsibility. Take pride in your work. Take pride in yourself, you know, because it's up to you. Yeah. It's ultimately up to you in that house. Mm-hmm. And we can't do anything about it. You you cannot do anything about that other person. And yeah. that you know, the talk to her blue in the face it's not going to do a single thing. It's a waste of your time. No. And, and they're still going to, they're still going to pattern. Eventually they're going to pattern themselves after what they see anyway. So I can tell them until I'm blue in the face or I can worry about what they're getting from the other parent or not getting, but eventually they're going to say, okay, I got two options. I can be like this parent or I can be like this other parent, which, which one am I going to choose? And you just, a lot of times you just have to hope that they're going to choose the one that is, is best for them. And, you know, at least it's happened, it's happened that way for us. You know, my kids have gone out on their own uh, for the most part. And uh, I'm not, I'm not thrilled uh, for some of their choices of what they're doing, but you know, they're at the age where they can do what they want to do. But I think that they all have a good work ethic. They all have seen uh, how Lori and I have had awful, terrible times and we've gotten through it. And so they, they've seen what coping looks like and they've seen what problem solving looks like. And they understand that you don't just throw away a relationship just cause something goes bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think all those things that we've endured and we, uh, they've seen that and it, and it makes a profound difference in, in how they view things and how they decide to handle life when they get out on their own. Absolutely. And, and honestly, you know, I, I always live my life, um, with like the glass half full mm-hmm. concept. So I always find good in everything. And really, even in the worst of households where kids live two totally different lifestyles, like my stepkids did, and evidently your stepkids did, and some of my clients, they learn flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they learn to be flexible. They learn to, you know, think for themselves. They learn, you know, there's a lot of take responsibility from them. There's a lot of things they learn and they learn to resolve conflict and strategize and like see, like you say, here are these two families, which one's working? Mm-hmm. You know, kids are not dumb. They're never dumb. You know, parents that think these kids are dumb are, you know, going to be sadly mistaken. Because mm-hmm. kids are pretty intuitive and pretty smart. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, they see the brighter light in the picture. And, you know, they learn. Yep. They learn, do I want to be like this? Do I want to live like this? Or do I want to live like this? And boundaries and all of that, you know, that's, that's love for children. That's security. That's safety. And when they don't have it, they lose that security and safety. So, you know. You had said something about uh, finding the good in everything. I've mentioned this before. One of the things that we do in the Nacho Kids Academy is 28 days to change your thinking, to find the good. Um, I'm sure that you've probably ran across the ants, automatic negative thinking with Dr. Daniel Amen. And I love that. 
because we don't realize how negative we are. We don't realize that we have control over stopping our mind from thinking these things. Absolutely. And once you realize the power that you have to say, wait a minute, I'm not thinking that, I'm not focusing on that, and do something about it, whether it's changing your focus, get up, leaving the room, whatever you have to do, it can completely change the dynamics of bad situations. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I always tell, I try to encourage, you know, parents I speak to when I go live on Facebook, I'm always talking about gratitude because I think gratitude is hugely important to spend your every morning doing some kind of gratitude, writing it down, saying it, you know, I, I did a post recently where my my two grandkids that are with us right now, we were in a journal and every day, you know, we each write down something we're grateful for. And this morning I was working when they got up and my youngest grandson came in and he brought the journal and he's like, Gammon, you have to write yours. And he had already written his and Logan's already written his and um, you got to get them in the habit of that. And then, you know, and, and seeing the world and your children in a positive way. Kids do so much more positive than they do negative. Do you know a parent says no to a child for on average 400 times a day, a child hears the word no. They hear the word yes about 35 times a day. Mm -hmm. You know, so that just sets them up for negativity. And when you start noticing the positive in your children and the positive in your life, and you start praising the positive, you want a behavioral change from your child, praise the positive, praise what they're doing right, because ultimately every child wants to please their parent. You may not think so, may not seem that way, but that is their ultimate goal to please their parent, no matter what age. And if you praise the positive that they do, the negative will eventually disappear because they're not getting any reaction from you for that. They're getting all the love and attention from the good they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing about that too, uh, where kids are getting told no so often is that it, it creates in them an attitude of, of uh, lack and an attitude where uh, they don't think anything's possible. Because every time they've asked for something, uh, it, it, there's always a no. And so as they grow up and they get older and they become adults, then they don't have, they find it challenging to think uh, in a mindset that is in abundance because everything they've ever asked for and wanted has always been no. And so they, they automatically internally just shut themselves down. Well, I can't do that. Uh, I'm not good enough to do that. There's no way I can make that kind of money. There's no way I can get that kind of spouse. There's no way my kids will turn out this way. I can't get that job I want. On and on and on because they've, they've been conditioned since kids that no, 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 no. <laughs> and a lot of times they'll start off with, I know you're going to say no, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and tell me what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. They're already predicting it because they get told that so much. And then eventually the whole communication stops because why should they even talk to their parent? Because there's no, there's no acceptance for their ideas and their thoughts, and there's no respect for what they want or what they desire. And their parents just want to rule the roost. And it's like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to do what I say, whether it's a good idea or it's not a good idea. It could be a really great idea. 
you know, and, and they're shut down the second, you know, they even come up with their own thought. And it is hugely detrimental to them as they grow. And they mm -hmm. become, you know, people that just go along with the mold, you know, go along. Okay, so this group of friends are doing this. Well, I'll just go along. I won't speak up for myself, you know, and it's, it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. It's, it's being a follower instead of a leader. Right. Now, right. I, I will admit, um, I tell my son no probably 732 times a day. <laughs> Some people need to be told no. <laughs> my child um, is, like you said, he's not stupid, but he is not genetically David's, but apparently he has picked up the ability to push my buttons <laughs> like David. And I asked him about it. Why do you do this? And he says, it's fun to see how you react, which is the same thing that David says. And I don't get it because I'm not a button pusher. So maybe you can help us understand these button pushing people in our lives, because the way I look at it is if you don't want to talk to me or you don't want me to deal with you that day, you don't have to make me mad to make that happen. So why would you push my button that you know is going to make me mad for five more hours afterwards? Now, granted, I know that I have the ability to not be mad <laughs> <laughs> for five hours after, but sometimes they just push that one button and it just like sends electricity through your body of the evil man, you know? They, they got to test limits. And, and, you know, I explained to parents part, a lot of things with kids. I mean, imagine, you know, you're a human. Well, you don't have to imagine you're a human because you're a human. <laughs> imagine you're a child and you are controlled by this being who is your mother or your father or both. And everything is controlled by them. What you do, when you get up, when you go to the bathroom, when you go to school, when you're doing this, when you get dressed, when you eat, when you, you know, when you play, when you, everything is controlled. Mm -hmm. So imagine you were being totally controlled by another human being. You would never stand for it. It's like a caged beast. Mm -hmm. So there is, with all that constant control, they have to speak their mind. They have to let it out. They have to push a button. They have to, you know, say what they want to say to get a reaction to almost feel like they're still alive and they're still in control of something. Okay. So the key <laughs> is to give back some control to your children. Whatever they can control, let them control. So the way that is, is through negotiables and non-negotiables. Mm -hmm. So if something is non-negotiable, we have to leave at eight o'clock, we are in the car and we are gone, non-negotiable. There's nothing to talk about. We need to be in that car at eight o'clock. But if it's time to get dressed, and even if you have a toddler and you hold up, would you like these red pants or these blue pants? And they pick the blue pants. Would you like this striped shirt or this, you know, Mickey Mouse shirt? And they pick the Mickey Mouse shirt. They just got control over a very small situation. So whenever things are non-negotiable and you can offer a child control with something that's non-negotiable, mm -hmm. I mean, something that is negotiable, sorry guys, confusing, something that is negotiable, let them pick it. Let them voice their opinion. Let them choose what the negotiable is. Right, and I agree that's very important. Even if it's, what do you want for supper? And give them the choice to pick. Right. And I know as long um, as you're not a short order cook. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. But I also know that um, 
I've also heard a lot of kids revert back from being potty trained because of that's what they feel like they have control over. That's the one thing they feel like they can control, whether it makes the parents mad or not. It doesn't matter because that's the one thing that they can go, you know what? I'm not pooping on that potty and you can't make me. Right. And you can't make them. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the, um, it's the underlying cause of all kinds of patterns, you know, eating disorders, underlying cause control. It's, it's what they have control over. They can control what they eat. They can control eating and then they can be bulimic and they can control throwing it up. You know, things like that. It all has to do with being in control of something because when you are not allowed to be in control of anything, you become nothing. You become, you know, a robot. You become a puppet. Right. And in order to fight back, they have to fight back with something. And if they push your button and they get a reaction out of you, control. Look at that. I just controlled her. (laughs) And it was fun because... (laughs) I watched her head spin around like the exorcist. (laughs) Well, I Googled how to not let people push your buttons. I didn't find much on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you said that, you know, sometimes kids... Um, you know, always want to make their parents happy. You know, maybe sometimes stepkids want to make their stepparents happy. <laughs> they do. Because he will look at me and smile when he does that or give me a high five when she's not looking. He's bonding. What? He's bonding with you. Exactly. You Over know? tormenting me? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's time, especially sometimes she goes outside and, and she sits on the front porch every so often and, you know, he'll come up to me and go, hey, watch this. And he'll like go up and like bang on the window real loud and make her jump. And then, you know, we give each other a high five and he. <laughs> that is Bob. That is absolute love. That is, I hate to say it, Lori, but that is his connection with David. Lord and, help my soul. And it's not, it's not about you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so take it personally. <laughs> Yeah, so next time you get mad at me, I'm going to say, I'm just bonding with your son. I'm bonding. I'm bonding. You got to bond somehow. Why would you get mad at me for bonding with your son? What kind of person are you? (laughs) (laughs) You could be pushing her buttons right now. (laughs) I am so sure that I will hear this many times over the next couple of years. Well, I need to find a way to bond with somebody to torment you. (laughs) You get back. You can reverse the same thing. You can then scare him. It's not the same. I learned this from you. I'm bonding with you for a moment. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think that way. I don't think, oh, let me, you know, scare this person. Well, I do do that sometimes, don't I? Mm -hmm. But I don't scare you. You're like the ninja or something. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to work on that. All the time. They never fall for it because I'll put a pillow over my face when they walk in. (laughs) Like, Oh, where's mom? And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. And I find it so amusing, and they don't. Like, See, that's something I would do. I just put a pillow in my face, and they'll be like, "Oh, I can't find mom. Where is she?" <laughs> don't let Lori fool you. She tortures the dog. <laughs> yeah, torture somebody. How do I torture the dog? Because you'll mess with her. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's funny. Oh, wait, I'm a button pusher toward a dog. Yeah, you do it because it's fun. 
Oh, Zeb, I'm sorry. <laughs> so wow. You, little hypocrite. That's like when I go, it's not funny, and I'll be like, well, it's it's a little bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little funny. <laughs> I remember um, David and I had went to like Domino's with my son to get pizza one time. And I went in to get the pizza and I was trying to open the door and I had my hands full and I am not a waitress. I never have been. <laughs> and there's probably a reason because I don't have good balance, you know, even on flat ground and no high heels or anything. And I opened the door and my son screams. He had gotten in the front seat and he screams at the top of his lungs and like jumps and says something like a beef coon. <laughs> <laughs> had to come off. What was it, David? The um, Yeah, I don't know. Some show he used to watch on Disney Channel or something. Yeah. So, of course, they're laughing. I'm about to drop the pizza. <laughs> my reaction probably was not the best. <laughs> I think that's why Domino started giving you another pizza if you dropped it. I think you're the guarantee. Of course, we have a saying in our family that it's only funny until someone gets hurt and then it's hysterical. Yeah. We pretty much all live by that. Like my sister like torpedoed off the screen door one time. She was walking and didn't see the door and literally like hit it and flew through <laughs> the air like 50 feet and landed on her back. And we were all laughing. She could have been dead. <laughs> we couldn't stop laughing for 10 minutes. <laughs> yep. said, that was pretty funny. That so, is funny. And then we went out to make sure she wasn't dead. And good news was she wasn't dead. So, <laughs> or she hadn't broken her butt bone or anything. If she was. <laughs> yeah, at least for a minute, a little bit bad. <laughs> Yeah, we'll tell this story at the, at the funeral. <laughs> It'll be hilarious. We'll engrave it in your gravestone. Watch Take a picture and we'll put it on the DVD slide. Yeah, you should have looked for that screen door before. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into the Pumped Up Parenting. Tell us about what that's all about. So Pumped Up Parenting is um, my coaching business and my um, basically uh, my parent advice place, website, lives, all kinds of things. Um, I consider myself a family empowerment coach. And the reason I don't just say I'm a parenting coach, because it takes a family to make it work. And everyone in that family needs to be empowered to know themselves and to know the vision of the family and work together and get on the same page. And that's why I call myself that. Uh, I really work with parents, give them tips, techniques, strategies, so that they can turn around and empower their kids because they need to not only empower themselves because some parents just, you know, just are lost and they, they feel guilty and they feel like they're a bad parent when they're not, they're just struggling. So um, I work so that they can get their family to where they want to be. Tantrums are ended. Whining is ended. Listening is begun. Uh, we get, you know, we get through instead of having yelling and screaming, we have actual communication and we basically work together to create family harmony. And I do that through my live broadcasts, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, group coaching. Um, I'm about to launch a, a mastermind for parents and uh, podcast, the Pumped Up Parenting podcast. And I just finished writing my first book. 
which should be available in the fall sometime, Taming the Toddler, the Ultimate Parenting Manual. And uh, so I, you know, you're able to reach me and work with me in a variety of ways, free and paid. So, and I'll get good advice that will keep you on track um, with what you need to know as you parent your family and as your family grows. That's awesome. I wish that my mom would have known you when she was raising us. She was a screamer. Yeah, she needed the the live masterclass right here on her site called Pissed Off Parents. Yes. That's the one your mom needed to have. That is. That, that masterclass is for pissed off parents. <laughs> How to get them to stop yelling and screaming at their kids. I know I, my dad, I love him dearly, but he was a yeller. A yeller? A scream mm-hmm. like old yeller, like the dog. Yeah, that's what we call it down here, a yeller. And, yeah. <laughs> And, um, and it intimidates kids and it, you know, and like you were saying, David, it, you know, makes kids feel like nothing they do is right. And, you know, it really crushes confidence and self-worth and self-esteem when you're constantly yelled at. It is so detrimental to children and it teaches them that that's how you have a relationship and that's how you communicate to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to many people and they go, well, we just yell, we yell in our household. Well, stop, because you're not doing your kids any good. That is not a reason. We yell in our household, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is, as an adult, I have to stop myself to not let that be my instant reaction, because that's what I'm used to. Yeah. Exactly. Just, think, just think about it this way, Lori. You don't want Jackson yelling at your grandkids. <laughs> so don't yell at him, because that's what he's going to learn. That is exactly what they learn. And, you know, and it's cyclical. And um, like I, I'm be, I'll be doing a parenting challenge. Well, I'll, I run them often, but they're like this, the race to stop yelling challenge, you know, and in, in a week, I'll teach you how to stop yelling at your kids. And in my, one of, one of my passions and missions is to reach a million families and stop a million families from screaming at their children. That's Sign what, me up, girl. That's like a dream. Okay. <laughs> If you can keep, if you can just stop her from talking across the house, so they're not yelling at each other, being mad, they just yell to to have a conversation. No, 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 no. Let me interject. No, no, no. Don't even try it. No, 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 no. (laughs) It was okay for you to stay at the bottom of the steps and holler for your kids upstairs. Why? Why are you turning this on me? Because (laughs) we're not even talking about me. But you're criticizing me for something that you did the same thing. I, I was not criticizing. I'm making a statement. Well, I'm making a statement too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Celia, she'll, she will talk with her son. Here's the funny part. She will talk with her son while she's in her bedroom with the door closed and he's in his bedroom with the door closed all the way on opposite ends of the house and they have a conversation. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't understand what either one of them are saying. They're just yelling at the top of their lungs to each they're other. Yelling to each other through the doors. I, I think they're just picking up the vibration in the air. <laughs> David, yeah, the paper cup and string. It's yeah, a paper cup and string thing. David's exaggerating, folks. David's <laughs> exaggerating. <laughs> That's one of the things I tell parents. Do not yell to your kids from the up other, like another floor. Get up and walk up to your child. Amen. And talk to them. David. <laughs> I th- see, what course is that? Because I'm going to buy it. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I love how. Academy. Thanks we, for we, the plug. <laughs> we, have a, um, we have an anniversary coming up. That might be a good gift for her. 
There you go. <laughs> what was the name of it again? Peaceful Parenting Academy. Simple? Peaceful. Peaceful. Peace. 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 Okay. Peaceful Parenting Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they won't see that look at the end. Yeah. Um, it's really good that podcasts are not videos because I make a lot of <laughs> facial expressions with David and um, the crap he says. <laughs> it's funny how he forgets what he did. I don't forget it. And you sure don't forget it. No, I don't. <laughs> no, the funny part is she, that she will, she fusses at me about things. And then, you know, years later, when her kid becomes the same age that my kids were. Okay, folks, it's been great talking to <laughs> Celia today. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? You remember when you were fussing with my kids when they were 14 and they wouldn't do X, Y, and Z, and now your kid's 14 and he's not doing X, Y, and Z? Hmm. <laughs> Teenagers. <laughs> you know, I have a sign in my house that says, now I know uh, teenagers make you understand why animals eat their young. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> another one is another sign I have is raising teenagers is like nailing jello to a tree. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Okay. So uh, now that David's made up all kind of crazy stuff. Um, no, tell it was made up. David. Tell there's people a, what there's a, there's a free five day challenge you can take on her site. So maybe you should try that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it starts soon. I don't know when it's podcasting, but it's starting soon. All right. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be starting soon again. It will be starting soon again. <laughs> Good. So this is something you do periodically. Yes. Good. And it's literally the race to stop yelling at your kids challenge. So you're on the race to stop yelling at your kids. That's the five-day thing? Yeah. It's actually a seven-day challenge. Oh. I thought you said five-day. They're days. like two bad. What's well, five days, but there's two bonus days. Well, I need the bonus days, obviously. <laughs> and then my son will be like, what's wrong with you? I remember one day, the time I picked him up and I was all grumpy. And um, I think David had pushed my button, surprisingly. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just not talking to anybody anymore. I'm just going to not respond, not have any reaction and Jackson's like what's wrong with you I'm like nothing and he's like seriously what's wrong with you and I mean this is the first two minutes of picking him up and I said this is the new me <laughs> I think she's gonna try to like channel Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh <laughs> that's what it sounded like when I said it this is the new me <laughs> oh goodness See, and, and this should be a lesson to everybody too. Laughter is the best medicine. It so is. Kids are driving yep. you crazy. Sit down and tell jokes with each other. Yep. Turn yeah, on we... music, dance, be silly, have fun. Laugh, <laughs> laughter, laugh. A lot of it should be in your home. Honey, we have plenty of that, I will tell you. Um, one of the things that David and I like to do, I'll let you tell them, David, about Walmart. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> so, you know how people get frustrated, they go to Walmart and it's like, you know, the line's long, it takes forever to get through the line or whatever. We have found a way to get through the Walmart line in the fastest way possible. So what you, what you do, as soon as you get up to the line and it's your turn to uh, be checked out, you start a fake argument with your spouse 
in the line, and then you drag the cashier into the argument, and they will get you out of that store so fast. <laughs> Are you serious? Do you guys do this? Yes, we that do is it. Awesome! It is oh so much God. fun. Videotape it. That is so awesome. And oh, we should videotape it. Yeah, because I'll say something to the cashier. I'm like, "What? Well, what do you think?" And you know, and they're like, "I don't want to get involved in this." And I'm like, "Oh no, you're already involved." <laughs> and we'll pull them into it and I'll say crazy stuff to them. Like, you know, Lori likes to tell a story about this one time. I said something about picking, huh? picking one of the cashiers up when they got off work. <laughs> and, and he said, I'll be here at 10. She said, how did you know what time I got off work? He said, that's what time I picked you up last night. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't get me out of that store quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their items per minute shoot up when we're in the store. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. That yeah, is- he'll, he'll say, I'm not paying for that crap. I'm like, I didn't ask you to pay for that crap. I got my own money. And then you'll see them start speeding up. And- <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what you need to do is you need to go with a friend that knows it's going to be done. Have the friend behind you filming it. Yeah. yeah. You know, the people at Walmart probably. be able to film it because. You know, you're involved in it, and then it'll look like it's staged. Yeah. Right. That is genius. Yeah. The people at Walmart probably think we have like the worst relationship ever because we're fussing every time we come in store. <laughs> that that reminds me, um, you, you, David and I pick constantly. We do. And it's just kind of the relationship we have, and it's fun. And remember one of the kids' um, friends from school said, I think your parents should get divorced or something <laughs> like that because we were at a, like a volleyball game and we were kind of bickering at each other, just picking. And they're like, oh my gosh, I think your parents should get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> They've never done that. <laughs> yeah, They just have no idea how much yeah. fun we have doing oh this stuff. God, that's about, I know. And you know, what's great about that is your kids then pick out each other. Like, like my kids, my two, they're 31 and 37. They still act like they're like, you know, eight and 12. You know, they don't act any different. They're gigantic now mm-hmm. but, and they can hurt each other, but they're, you know, they're so funny that like, it's like they never grew to that old, you know, they're yeah. always picking on each other. They're always making fun. They always, well, they always make fun of me. Mm-hmm. If I say a cuss word, they have to text each other. Do you know what mom said? Oh my God, I have to text. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> that sounds like something Jackson would do. My mom just said pissed off. I know. Oh, my gosh. They, they're hysterical. But it's nice. I love it. You know, it it's, is. So, it's so awesome. Yeah, you, you definitely have to find humor in things. And I'm thankful every day that when we were going through our struggles that I found it funny to make fun of the counselor that kept telling me they are not your kids because... That's what lightened the mood enough between David and I to where I was able to see things clearly. That's, I mean, it was really like the moment, us laughing, and it was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm creating my own misery. And, right. You know, that's how Nacho Kids was born. Is that's it the was best um, name? I told you that when you told me that story. I just, yeah. I tell everybody that story. I love it. Yeah, they are Nacho Kids. Right. <laughs> that's the best. But it's so true. It's like, you know what? It and and it it lifts like the world off of your shoulders, you know, because yes. you're like creating all this drama that doesn't need to be there because ultimately they're not your kids. 
I mean, they are your kids, but they're, you know, they, yeah. they have these other parents and, you know, and it's not all your responsibility. You know, you, the weight of the world does not rest upon your shoulders. That's right. And, and everything yeah. is not about you. <laughs> there you go. And don't take it personally. Yep. So it's true. And it's true. You know, it's so true. It's like my client that I had that, um, you know, they were so concerned with what the other mom was doing. And when I finally told them, you know what, it's none of your business. Basically, I'm sorry to say, but it's none of your business what her and her husband does. Don't get involved because you can't control it. So don't get involved. And the next time we talked, they were like, honestly, I can't even tell you the weight that was lifted off my shoulder. Once I realized they're not my business. Yep. You know? And for goodness sake, if you're comparing yourself to the other family and bio mom doesn't work and she's got a new car and you know all this stuff from Facebook, block those people. Don't look at their stuff. Exactly. You don't have to look at that stuff. Yeah. Concern yourself with your life and being the best person you can be. And creating children that can be the best you can be. And what's with all the uh, uh, anacronyms? What's like, I go, <laughs> I go onto your site and there are so many of them. I'm like, I, I need a chart. I need a chart. I can't figure this one out. And I'm pretty good with them. And I'm like, I, I can't figure this one out. I, I don't know. I'm like, what, what could this be? <laughs> like, you have a chart on your page. You need a I, I do. I do. It's under the announcements. And the rules. Because I'm always like, I, I can't, I, this one, this one, this one, I'm dumbfounded with this one. I, it's so, it's so funny though, because I guess I've been doing this so long <laughs> that it's hard for me to say bio mom. I just say BM. Oh, is that what BM stands for? Not bowel movement? It stands for <laughs> bio mom. <laughs> bio mom. bowel movement. So. Yeah. And oh, HCBM is high conflict bio mom. Oh, that could have been one of the ones I had no clue. Yeah. I thought it was high constipation bowel movement. <laughs> Hard constipation bowel movement. I've got an idea what this stands for. And yeah. I feel like it has nothing to do with going potty. I, I just don't know what it is. It might be more entertaining to read it that way. It is. It is. I think you read it just like English. And I like, I, you know, like my, my father worked for the Department of Defense and he was, so there's a lot of everything is, you know, DOD, you know, USN, da, 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 like all over the place, mm-hmm. you know? And when you live at, like I live, you know, in Baltimore outside of DC, everything is initial, but like sometimes on Facebook, I'm like, okay, I don't got this one. I- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like the step family language is its own thing, you know, kind of cryptic. And I've had some people, they're like, why don't you just type out the words? <laughs> <laughs> but it, to me, it's habit. And I mean, I've been in Facebook groups for step families for what, seven, eight years now. So it is more habit, but it is funny. I worked at a place um, where we did incontinence products. <laughs> so I have a bad habit of saying high continence bio mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which could also be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, women, we tend to have that problem. <laughs> yeah. And then let's see, what is their stepdad is SD. And then there's SS12 and SD with the number, the four, the stepdaughter, <laughs> stepsister, stepson. Yeah. Stepson 12. Yeah. Bio son 12. 
Like, I feel like I have to take notes when I'm reading a post. I'm like, okay, let's see. We got, we got it. Well, we got this. It's like an algebraic equation. Yes, it is. It's like math. It's like a math problem. You got 20 apples and you got 40 pears and you went three miles down the road. How many people yeah. did you run into? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even yeah. care. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what we should do we should have like um you know sd12 ss4 b d3 whatever and then put saw for why <laughs> <laughs> like why is all this happening <laughs> i'm thinking that we should have a challenge in the facebook group to come up with crazy meanings for these words yes oh good i could win that that's what I was going to say. You'd have to participate with that. that one, I'm definitely participate. I'm in on that one. Yeah. And a lot of them just sound like venereal diseases. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what to say. Well, Celia, if you've never heard the story, I, her son, Jackson. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she already knows what the story is. I, I, I tell her son that he's an STD <laughs> because, because, uh, she, um, she found out that her ex was, was cheating. So she went to the doctor to make sure that she didn't have any funk. Right. And she found out that she was pregnant. So he was the STD. <laughs> so, uh, since his name's Jackson, I call him J funk. <laughs> So that is, that's his term of endearment from me to him. That's fun. Oh my God. That is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we definitely have fun with this. That's for sure. You got to, you got to laugh. You got to have fun. I mean, yep. what'd you have kids for if it wasn't for fun? <laughs> I can't answer that. You just heard my situation. <laughs> I mean, they're like the best entertainment going. It's better than an STD. Yeah. <laughs> STD, and you created them. <laughs> like I have a t-shirt in my little shop and it's like, I'm, I can't remember what it is. I'm uh, surrounded by a tiny army that I made myself something, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be you, David. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All five of your youngins, like four, you only had four. <laughs> and they're all yeah. quadruplets, sextuplets, how, how many you have? Triplets? Yeah, I have triplets and then I have one that's a year and a half older. Wow. So I had four in diapers at the same time. Oh, that's a lot. Ooh, <laughs> that's a lot of diapers. That's a daycare center. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see us pull up somewhere and everybody get out of the car. <laughs> it's like, when is this going to stop? <laughs> People just keep coming. And they all look the same. Are they identical? Or they no. no, not identical. They do not look anything alike. In fact, one of the triplets looks more like my son than he does the other two triplets. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to remember, my little boy looks nothing like me. He's got blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin. Oh, that's my son. Yeah. Oh, he has green eyes like me. That's why I used to tell people, they asked me if I was babysitting. No, look, see, we have the same eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can say, see, we have the same cheeks. There you go. <laughs> that's all I can say. We each have a nose. Yeah. My, <laughs> my daughter's dark hair. My son is blonde. Yeah. And you know what's weird? You know, on that app that whoever had where change people into old people, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, what is that site that does that? Uh, face something. Well, anyway, so they have 
Um, they have an app, they have one where they'll change you into a guy if you're mm -hmm. a girl. So my daughter does it and she looks just like my son. And then she posts it, she goes, so I guess evidently I do look a lot like Kyle. And <laughs> I did it exactly like my son. It was so bizarre. I thought I was gonna look like my dad, exactly like my son. We all just look like Kyle. When it changed, changed except that we have dark hair, but exactly <laughs> like him. It was bizarre. I think Jackson did mine like that, and it was really eerie because I looked like my cousin. I don't, I don't have any brothers, but I look just like my cousin. Is that funny? It is. It's crazy how much you look like your family mm -hmm. yeah, that you don't realize. Yeah, growing up, everybody would always say, "You look just like your mama." Well, my mom and I didn't really get along, so I'd be like, "No, we don't. No, we don't." Which I look nothing like my daddy. My little sister is the clone of my daddy. I swear she is. But um, I've had people come up to me and will say, you've got to be Gail's daughter. And it's crazy. And somebody even came up to my dad. He had my great niece with him. So his great granddaughter. And she said, that baby has got to be a McFadden. And I'm like, what is it? I mean, it's not just the brown eyes and dark hair. What is it? And they said, it's apparently the facial structure or something that we all just are have similar, you know, that's kind of freaky. People used to tell me I look like my dad all the time. And, you know, a girl doesn't want to know that they look like a guy. <laughs> and then my brother was born and I see, and he is like a spitting image of my father. And as he got older, I would look at him and go, we look a lot alike. Your eyes, they're just like my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, I guess I do look like my father. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't have to do a DNA test, a paternity no, test. No, no. Even though my sisters always told me I was adopted. That's how they used to make fun of me. Well, you know, you're because there are no baby pictures of me except one. My dad tells me that I was the neighbor's kid. Makes sense. That, when the neighbor um, passed away, he called me and said, your dad died. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some truth in that. Who knows? No. Remember, Jackson did the ancestry DNA and it linked him and my dad. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So we have proof now. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, that would say I'm adopted. Uh, that was because there's all these pictures of my my older sister and then my next older sister and then me. There's one baby picture of which they lost, so there's only really Xerox copies of it. And then my brother was born after three girls, and that was like the baby Jesus being born. So <laughs> millions of pictures of him. And then they had a dog before they had any of us. There are two photo albums of Bruno, and then there's one picture of me. And they're like, well, that's because you were adopted. Yeah, I hate to say it, but we do have like a hundred times more pictures of the dog than the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's because the kids take pictures of the dog. Yep, they do. <laughs> they don't care about us. It's just the dog. Yeah. Okay, Celia, you know, we can talk forever and it has been great as always talking to you. <laughs> so tell people how they can find you and join the classes that I'm apparently getting ready to take. <laughs> Join my challenge. Yes. Larry will be the first one in it. Uh, well, you can reach me on one of a few websites. That's celiakibler.com, pumpedupparenting.com. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore metro area and you want to take kids fitness classes with your child, you can go to funfit.com. Um, you can reach me directly at Celia at celiakibler.com. And you can find me on Facebook at Celia Kibler. Join our Facebook group, Pumped Up Parenting. And... All kinds of fun stuff is going on there. We'd love to have you. And um, am I missing it? I'm on Instagram too, Celia Kibler. If, you, know, you can just find Celia Kibler, YouTube, wherever. It's, just, it's always me. Yeah. And you, you may have a podcast out by the time this airs. So yes. tell us about that. 
and that is the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. And one day, Lori and David will be my guests on my podcast, and we can laugh some more. There you and, go. Uh, my book will be out soon, too, Taming the Toddler, The Ultimate Parenting Manual. This is all you need. You'll straighten out your kids. You'll realize, you know, what this amazing little human is like and what it can do for you. And you won't take everything so personally. So, um, <laughs> and is that everything? I think. And join my challenge that's going on. Uh, it goes on off and on. So if you're not catching it right away, you'll be able to sign up. And that is the race to stop yelling at your children because we want to build a world where no one's yelling at children. We don't want you to believe that parenting is easy or perfect. And yes, you will occasionally yell at your children, but we want you to not get in the habit of always yelling and hear you say that they will only listen if I yell because guys, it's not true. So I will help you find out how that is. And I will let y'all know if that works. Right. <laughs> Mario will be my testimony. I'm the guinea pig, people. I'm the guinea pig. <laughs> David. Oh, that's wrong pig. Never mind. <laughs> wrong, wrong pig. Guinea pigs make that <laughs> noise, don't they? <laughs> My daddy's guinea pigs squealed and they scared me to death. They do squeal sometimes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'm here to help. There you go. Great. Well, thank you again. And I'm sure that we'll talk soon. We will. We will. And it has been a blast and an honor to be on your podcast because you guys are doing amazing things for the blended family community. And I'm grateful to know you. Great. And we're grateful to know you. And we'll tell people about your book too. I've got some, um, my niece is pregnant, getting ready to have her second child. Hey, I can get that for her as a present. Yes. Isn't that a great idea? That's yeah. a great idea. Yep. See, that's what's great about my business. New customers being born every day. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what great about ours. You got blended families being created every day. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> well, thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I enjoyed talking to Celia, which I enjoy talking to everybody. You know that. <laughs> yep, you do. But I also did sign up for her, like, stop yelling at your kid course. <laughs> um, hmm. Did it work? No, it didn't work. Yes, kind of, sort of. Because <laughs> you just told me today at lunch that you yelled at him. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I slammed on brakes and told him, you are not the parent. <laughs> I didn't yell. I just said it in my... In your demonic voice? My demonic voice, that's it. My <laughs> definitely demonic voice. You are not the parent. What did he do? He had this look of fear and shock on his face. <laughs> it's probably because he's used to me yelling, and I didn't yell. I just... You just turn into Satan. Yeah. Had my horns pop up and everything. <laughs> so, yes, her course is very effective. I would recommend it to anyone. Did it have one about not yelling at your husband? <sighs> no. <laughs> I don't yell at you. I just nacho you. <laughs> you don't nacho me. I nachoed you a minute ago. You did? You didn't see me walk out of the room? Was that what that was? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thought you had to go pee. <laughs> no. I'm about to nacho you again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that um, Celia mentions the kids were free-range stepchildren when they were at their bio moms. Mm -hmm. That's not the first time we've heard that. No. No, it was feral children or yeah, whatever yeah. one time. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about how stepkids shouldn't have been treated as guests. Yep. Oh, and we talked about the family pictures in the blend. Remember I wrote that blog with um, how to do the pictures so everybody can have 
together pitchers and separate pitchers and nobody feels left out because everybody's taking so many pitchers. They don't even realize that you don't take them with certain people. <laughs> yeah. That's like when, like our waiting pitchers, we didn't realize some of them didn't, we didn't have them made because you were like, Oh, I wanted Jackson in that pitcher. <laughs> I was like, we didn't even think about those pitchers. We just had so much going on. I know. And it still bothers me that like, I don't have any pictures of just me and him from that wedding, except for the one of me tying a shoe. Yeah. We had that some. is because of a crappy photographer people. <laughs> Yeah, really? It really is. Yeah, because we were... Because I had given him a checklist of what I wanted. And we were running around like a, you know, crazy. And yeah, after it was all said and done, you had one picture of you and your son. <laughs> Sad. And we can't go back and change that. We can get remarried. No. I'm not <laughs> doing this crap again. What? No. I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I have my own snotty attitudes. I don't need yours to. Uh, it's too late. I know. You stuck with me until you're old and I'm wiping your booty. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're going to do it because Jackson said he's not. He said he's going to put me in a home. <laughs> put you in an abandoned home. In, in a what? In an abandoned home. In the one in front of the house, probably. Yeah, yeah that would be me. The abandoned house lady. I'll come out and visit you. And I wouldn't even have cats because I don't really like them. I'll come in and you'll be like, who are you? And I'm like, here we go again. <laughs> be like 50 first dates. Yeah. Or first 50 dates, whatever it's called. <laughs> yes, 50 first dates. No, you've already had 50 first dates. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> y'all see what I deal with? Uh, it's never ending. And just because, you know, y'all weren't here 24-7, this don't stop. <laughs> it does. I sleep. Yeah, for like three hours. <laughs> and then you snore. I don't snore. <laughs> you do that. You start. You scream. You start kicking me. Well, wait a minute. Before we talk about me screaming and stuff. <laughs> I think it's funny because when David and I first started dating and he'd snore, I'd be like, oh, and like I would just put my hand gently on him and he'd stop and I'd be like, oh, and now when he's snoring, it's like, I'm about to suffocate him with this pillow. <laughs> That's what 10 years of marriage will get you, folks. You go from, oh, how cute to I'm about to suffocate them with this pillow. <laughs> so go ahead and tell everybody about what I do when I sleep, David. Uh, I was just thinking it's about time for me to get a new model if you feel that way. A new mama. New model. Time Go me, ahead. Time me to trade up. Yeah. <laughs> you think you can trade up? <laughs> try it, big boy. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'll be glad to let you try. When you I sleep, told you I'm tired. You, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you sleep, you scream and you holler. and you, I guess they don't have a course for that. Then you kick me. Woke up the other morning. I mean, you were like kicking me like some kind of kung fu master. Like, what the crap are you doing? It wasn't like one kick. It was like, pow, 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 pow. like what in the world is going on? What's so sad is that's the only exercise I get. <laughs> I, th I, I think you were trying to run, and I guess you were just kicking me every time you moved both your legs. I don't know, man. It's I woke up, wake up all the time with bruises all over me. Once woke up one time with scratches all over my back. And she's like, what happened? Where'd you get that from? Where you been? Who was you with last night? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, she's like, you're back. And I still don't know what she's talking about. And it's like one of those ghost hunter scratches on your back. I know. Which is the three lines or whatever. And I was like, what in the world happened to me? And of course, she's like, uh-huh. Probably some girl. Well, you know what's funny <laughs> is um, like I will scratch your back. To help me fall asleep. Yeah, and then it's like my hand starts tensing up and I start digging my fingernails into you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm gone. Like I'm sleeping good. And all of a sudden it's like somebody's sticking a exacto knife through your shoulder blade. Wow. Yeah. Well, I actually looked this up. 
<laughs> surprisingly, you know. And it's a disorder. <laughs> Imagine now you having a disorder. <laughs> it is a sleep disorder <laughs> where apparently my body does not paralyze itself <laughs> as much as it should. That does not surprise me a bit. To prevent me from kicking and screaming and whatever in my sleep. I do remember one night that I kicked you because you said something to me the next morning or you screamed in the middle of the night. I can't remember which. I was probably screaming in pain. But in my dream, a bull was coming at me. <laughs> and so I was using both my feet and I was kicking that bull off the bed. <laughs> yeah. And I do scream. <laughs> I've always done that. Always. I remember my daddy's running in the room. What's wrong? What's wrong? I'd be like, what are you talking about? You were screaming, stop, stop. Yeah. And I do like it, though, whenever you start talking in your sleep and, and you wake me up. You know, and you're still talking because then I start talking to you. Have we talked about this before? I don't know. We may have. I think so. But it's just so much fun. Yeah. David um, tried to get me to jump off a bridge. In your dream. In my dream. <laughs> and I told him, no, I wanted my daddy and my chickens. You didn't say and no. His chickens. You said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know how hard it is not to bust out laughing. <laughs> and then I said something about I wanted my daddy and his chickens or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something crazy like that. Yeah, it, that was so, man, if I could have had that on video, it was hilarious. Because everything I would say to you, I could tell that, you know, you were formulating it within your dream. I was telling like, people are chasing us. And you're like, oh, God, oh, God. And like, we're running across a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> you're just acting out the whole thing. It was like, you ever seen the people like when they get hypnotized and they start, you know, acting out whatever somebody's telling them is going on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what you were doing. It was great. All right, so I want to take a vote. How many people feel that David is abusing me <laughs> by him trying to control my dreams and make me do crazy stuff? Uh, that's, that's a good Remember one. Remember that time what? you tried to get me to kiss you in my dream? Yeah, what was that you said? I'm I said, married or something. No, like that. I said, no, I don't know you. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> 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 I don't know you. I'm like, I, there again, trying not to bust out laughing yeah, <laughs> and, and wake you up. Dreams have always fascinated me. Um, I have dreams and then things happen like that I saw in my dreams. And it's kind of freaky sometimes. And um, were you really dreaming? Also, Doo -doo -doo -doo. Um, I don't know if the majority of people remember their dreams, but it is actually rare that I do not. Now, granted, I have to remember them first thing in the morning to give you great detail or it takes me a little while to um, recall things. I can't tell you at seven o'clock tonight what I dreamed last night mm -hmm. unless it was something really good. But isn't that amazing though, that you can go through a dream and like, if you don't remember it or write it down like five minutes after you wake up, no matter how vivid it was, you often just completely forget about it. Mm -hmm. It's like it, it's like it, your dreams are happening in a part of your brain that has, your sleepy part. Short-term memory. It's like the RAM in your computer. When yeah. You, when you reboot, it just wipes it clean. Yeah, there you go. And two, if I have repetitive dreams, I know that that's getting ready to come true. Mm -hmm. It's because you're not really dreaming. Now, there are people that do dream and have their dreams are so vivid they can't tell the difference between dream and reality. I can yeah. see that. I've woken up. And my pillow been wet for me crying from my dream and just been emotionally tired and have the headache from, you know, like the ugly cry mm -hmm. because it was something in my dream. That oh, made I got me cry. a good one. I don't know if I ever told you this. 
I was uh, I'm still living at home with my parents. So you I told probably, me, but I'll let you tell these people. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I was probably 16, 17, something like that. Um, maybe even younger than that. Don't judge us, people. <laughs> don't judge us. What do you mean? Because this is crazy what you get ready to say. Are you sure? Maybe not. All right. So anyway, I'm having I got having this dream, super vivid dream. And you know, you know, you had those dreams where like somebody's after you and you can't run fast enough. Like Yeah, or you go to hit them and it's, it's like slow, slow motion. motion or you're yeah. like got wimpy arms. Right. So it was one of those dreams. Okay, then no, I don't know what you're gonna say. So it's one of those <laughs> dreams. Um, and like I couldn't get away from them. And like and I used to always have dreams that I was outside and the sun is so bright I can't see. Which if I'm outside on a bright day and I'm like walking on concrete where it's white, it does hurt my eyes a lot. So I would You know would, why? It's because you have blue eyes. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Something else I researched. Go ahead. <laughs> so I would you know, I dreamed that. That was part of the horror of my dream is that I'm walking around, I can't hardly see because everything's so reflective and, and all that. So, oh, let me guess. And then you started seeing in my future so bright I gotta wear shades. <laughs> no. Okay. Um all right, so Got all that going on. Then for some reason, I got this gun, right? And I'm like, oh, great. Now I get to shoot the person that's trying to kill me. But I can't see him. So I'm trying to shoot him. And like the, the gun is worse than a BB gun. <laughs> like, it, it's a full, you know, real pistol. And I'm pulling the trigger. It's like, pew, pew. <laughs> and it's like not doing anything. And so, um, and then for some reason, the person, you know, in my dream, they grab me. And somehow I've got a knife. And I'm like, okay, my last ditch effort. And I stab the person in my dream and, and I kill him. And then I wake up and guess what? I am laying in a pool of blood. You lie. I am not lying. I am laying. I look up my pillow and it is a slap pillowcase full of blood. And I freak out. (laughs) One, I'm checking, like I'm looking at my body going, making sure I have no, no wounds and all that. And at the time, I had a bunch of knives and swords and stuff like that in my room. You know, I'm 16 years old. I'm all into ninja stuff and all that. So I got all these weapons everywhere. The next thought that came into my head was, I killed my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like freaking out. And I run, we, my, my bedroom was at the opposite end of the house of my, my parents. I don't know, it's probably three o'clock in the morning. I run <laughs> down the hallway, like kicking the door open, <laughs> like, please, God, please, God, please don't let them be laying there, you know, with a knife sticking out of her head or something. And then, uh, you know, I kick the door open. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, thank God. Um, and so I'm you know, I like, thought I killed you. Yeah. So like then the next thing I, then I run into the bathroom and flip the light switch on. And apparently I, I had a nosebleed. And it was, that's what, where all the blood come from. But it freaked me out because I had just had that super vivid dream that I was stabbing somebody. I wake up and there's blood all over the place. <laughs> and I was like, this is not good. Yeah, that is kind of scary, David. That would have freaked me out. It did. It freaked me out a lot. Well, at least you weren't like celebrating running in, down the hall thinking you killed your parents. Dude, I was scared. I was so scared. That's probably a worse nightmare than being in a blended family. Yeah. The only thing that would have made it even crazier is if I would have woke up from waking up. <laughs> like you're dreaming that you're dreaming. Oh, I've done that. You've done that? I have done that, but that's not what happened this time. Okay. All right. I've done things. We could have a whole thing on dreams. Like oh, I used yeah, to, we could. Like I, I used to 
be able to, and I stopped doing it because that's of, what I thought you were getting yeah, ready to talk about before. Yeah, I had to. I stopped doing this because it kind of got started getting freaky. But I, this is during a time in my life where I was like kind of studying phenomenon and all this kind of stuff, and so I got into lucid dreaming, and I could I could get to a point. Uh, to where I knew I was in between uh, being awake and being asleep and I could recognize that point. And, and then when I did that, when I could do that, I could also, uh, I realized I was dreaming while I was dreaming. And so I could control my dreams. It is the craziest thing to experience. But- well, is that not kind of like if I wake up and I'm having a good dream and I try to finish it, you know, like I'm in my I wake up and I'm like, oh, I wasn't finished dreaming, and it's like you go back and well, you pick back up where you left off, or or you finish your dream, but you still you still don't really know that you're doing it, and your and your dream is typically you're just walking through your dream and things are happening, but when you're lucid dreaming, you know you're in a dream, you know uh, what's happening, you can control the environment around you. If you want to fly, you fly. If you want to do whatever, you do it. You know it's a complete dream, and just having that. And then when you wake up, it's the funniest thing too, because when you wake up, it's almost, it's not the same feeling as when you normally wake up. It's like you're on a ride and when it's over, you take the helmet off and you're like, okay, the ride's over. It's that kind of feeling. It's the weirdest thing. But this is not something we suggest people do. No. Because it can be scary. (laughs) I'm sure there's at least one listener who's done it before. And didn't your mama say that you were going to hell for that or something? (laughs) She was... She started getting freaked out because I started talking about uh, trying to do astral projections. <laughs> and she's like, you have lost your ever-loving mind. Um, and that's back when we had the Time Life books that we would buy, you know, the series. And so, like, every every month I got, like, a some kind of supernatural book in the mail. Sometimes it was UFOs and sometimes it was dreams or whatever. I mean, it was just crazy stuff back then. And, and so... Yeah, when I started talking about doing astral projection, that was uh, somehow all those books went missing. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> well, you know what I was just remembering, though, too, is when I was nachoing, my dreams, I screamed at your kids a lot. You, you remember you that? You at a lot of people a lot. Like, you scream at people who, who aren't even with us anymore. I screamed at my sister and my mama, don't I? You do, yes. Yeah. But fortunately, I've never heard you scream somebody I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's good. I remember one night though, like screaming bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at I the do kids. Too. I'm like, you foul mouth heathen! <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? Sweet little Lori done turned crazy. I'm like the devil got you for sure. <laughs> in the world. See, I had all this suppressed stuff for me not showing that yeah, it just you, came out yeah, at you night. You just I have guess. all these split personalities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm sure y'all are tired of listening to this. <laughs> we'll get a bunch of email about uh, people, uh, their experiences of dreaming and all that kind of stuff. Well, that stuff interests me. It does. You know, it that. is interesting. It's, but I have to be careful because I'll get too interested in it. Next thing you know, I'm doing crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. David likes that mind manipulation crap and mind control. And he plays mind games with you. And see, I don't care enough to do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, don't care enough I just don't, I don't want to have to put that much energy into something like, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. I'm not trying to think about, oh, well, how can I get them to say this or, you know what I mean? I just I don't, don't think I that don't, That's not the way I think. It's just I'm fascinated by, um, I'm fascinated by human interaction and communication and how there's 
patterns and there's ways to unlock things and there's ways to persuade. See, he's making me tired already. <laughs> that's just, that stuff just fascinates me. It, it just does. Okay. It, it's kind of the, you know, the mysteries of the universe thing. That's probably where a lot of this stuff comes in. It's like, if it's a mystery, if it's kind of like that, I, I just want to, I just want to bury myself in it and figure it out. You want to debunk it. Yeah. I either want to debunk it or I want to figure out what, what it's all about. Yep. All right. I'm sure y'all enjoy that part. <laughs> like, right. like we say, you never know what you're going to get on this you podcast. You never know. All right. So, David. Are we done? Yeah, I'm ready to go to sleep with all my dreaming. <laughs> all right. Now that is our show for today, folks. Catch us next week for another exciting adventure of Nacho. <laughs> and we hope you have pleasant dreams and dream about nachos. <laughs> Peace out. Girl Scout. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.